The first reading today is from Amos, um, chapter 7 and chapter 8, on page 919 in the Church Bible. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested, and just as the late crops were coming up. When they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, the Lord said. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. It dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the Sovereign Lord said. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with the plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people, Israel. I will spare them no longer. Second reading is from eight. This is what the sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, the time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Hit it. Where's Wally? Where's Wally? Did you see him? Where is he, Wally Watchers? Where's Wally? Look around. Is he next to you? Is he behind you? Or is he in front of you? Ho ho! Hello everyone, and it's great to see you. I have just come back from my last amazing adventure to America, and I was there in 1939 at the World Series baseball game, and Joe DiMaggio, the heavy hitter, he came up on the base. Now, you know how the baseball works, don't you? So you got the umpire standing here. In front of him is the pitcher, the heavy pitcher, and then the, the header gets up onto first base, or he's on home base, and then he has to hit the ball when it's pitched. All right, so the umpire is very, very fair in this. Okay, so the pitcher, he winds up his arm like this, and then he throws the ball, and Joe DiMaggio, the best baseball player in the world, it's, he misses. And the umpire goes, strike one. Oh my goodness, what's Joe DiMaggio gonna do? I mean, he's got his reputation and everything, so what's he gonna do? Well, the pitcher winds up his arm again, and the ball goes through the air at lightning speed. Joe DiMaggio, and he's feeling a little nervous. He tries with all his, but he misses again. The umpire standing up here folds his arms and says, strike two. 
Now, he's very, very fair. The umpire has been patient to this point. He's going to give him another chance. All right, so the pitcher winds up his arm, and he thinks it, and he's looking. He knows exactly where he's going to pitch it. He's done it a 1,000 times. He's worked out where Joe DiMaggio's weak line of defense is. Joe DiMaggio gets in, and he, and he misses again. And the umpire goes, strike three, you're out. You're out. Once, twice, three times, you're out. Now, boys and girls, that's what I saw. It was amazing. Once, twice, three times, you're out. Okay, come with me into our time machine. Here we are, ready? Okay. Suddenly, things are blurring. You're seeing going backwards, backwards in time. Oh, there we are. There's Queen Elizabeth getting enthroned, but now things are blurry, blurry. We're going backwards further, further. Oh, there's Martin Luther nailing his theses up to the door of Wittenberg. We're going continental. Whoosh. Oh, there we go. We're going, we're going way, 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 way over. Knights of the, uh, Knights of the Round Table, if, if they ever existed. Whoosh. It's, it's hard to work out. It's so blurry. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And now we're coming back and we're settling into... Palestine into Bible lands. We haven't gone back as far as King David, nor as Solomon just after King David. There's the temple, but Solomon's son, our time machine is coming and it's settling down in the era about 150 years after Solomon's son. The kingdom of Israel is divided. You've got the northern ten tribes, the nation of Israel, the southern two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, Judah. And we are there in the time of Jeroboam II, and Amos is the prophet. Now, it's a bit like once, twice, three times you're out. It's a little bit like um, Amos is there, and he is the umpire, right? And Israel is stepping up to the plate, but the Lord is there as well. You can imagine on the screen, if they had an electronic screen, okay? The Lord is showing. Look at all the locusts. There are so many locusts up there, it's dark. Right, there's a plague of locusts. It goes dark when the plague is there. Well, <clears throat> the plague of locusts. And Amos is there, Amos, and he's saying, Sovereign Lord, how can Israel live if you're going to wipe them out with locusts? She's so small. And so the Lord relents once. Then they see another, another screen. Amos sees a vision of fire. This is a future judgment coming on Israel. Oh no, oh no, oh no, Amos is there and he's saying, Sovereign Lord, how will Israel live? She is so small, so the Lord changes his mind. Twice, he's patient. And then finally comes another symbol, a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is, don't you? Here's a plumb line. Okay, that hangs perfectly straight. All right, this is how you work out whether your picture is straight or whether a wall you've been building is straight. God is holding up a plumb line to Israel and measuring them against the standard of God's word. How have they measured up? He's been patient with them once, twice, but now three times. 
they're out. They're out. God is going to bring judgment on his people. Now, we might say, why? Why? He said, well, Israel is like a basket of overripe fruit. Ripe, well, have you ever had a banana that's just too squishy and too brown and too overripe? What are you going to do with that? Make a smoothie? Depends if you want a brown smoothie. Banana bread. The Lord hadn't thought of that. (laughs) Israel was like an overripe banana, just good for nothing except being thrown out. That worked. Uh, Okay, Beck, you can retrieve it later and make some banana bread if you'd like. Israel was like an overnight ripe banana, once, twice, three times, they were out. Now the question is why? What had they done wrong to deserve God's judgment? And then, is there a way out? Is there a way out? I think we need to hear the next Bible reading, right? So the next reading is from Amos chapter 8, verses 3 through to 12. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over? that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended, that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself the pride of Jacob, I will never forget anything they have done. Will not the land tremble for this, and all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile. It will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like mourning for an only only son and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. I wonder what's under here. It's so exciting, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I'm going to play a game with you, and the game is called Which is Worse? Kids, you've probably played this yourself. Okay, which is worse? Okay, here is a bucket of broccoli. Okay, this bucket is full of spinach. Okay, which is worse? Having to eat raw, a bucket 
that is entirely full of broccoli or a bucket that is entirely full of raw spinach, which is worse. Hard to decide, isn't it? Like, oh, I don't know. Spinach is worse, you think, Siobhan? You'd rather eat a whole bucket of broccoli? You are such an enthusiastic girl. Maybe later on. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, now, here's one. If you're slightly older, okay, which is worse, having lost all your work on your computer that you've done all day for eight hours, right, or having to do it again (laughs) before the next day to meet the deadline? Anyone been there? Which is worse, okay? (laughs) Okay, hard to decide. Both of them are pretty bad, okay. All right. Now, for Israel, in the time of Amos, okay, it was really tricky. Okay, which is worse? Well, actually, let's ask us. Is it worse being completely bored in church? (laughs) There's Mr. Bean having to hold his eyes open because he's falling asleep. Not that that's ever happened here, right? Okay, which is worse, being completely bored in church or then which is what Israel were. They were completely bored at their temple worship or then just sitting in church thinking, I wish church would end so I can get out and make money, 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 money. Which is worse to the Lord? Both were happening. Which is worse to the Lord for Israel, them just telling lies, scamming other people in businesses and working out lies, schemes to get money from people who didn't know any better, probably from the needy, and which is worse, to rob those people through lies or to make them, next slide, poor so that they didn't have enough, which would be worse? Both were happening. And God was not happy. That's why he said once, twice, three times, you're out. Let's keep playing. Now, the Lord's going to respond. So you decide, which is worse? To have your city destroyed by an earthquake with everything that that would entail? And there was a big earthquake in Libya, wasn't there? Recently. And many people died. Which is worse, to have your city destroyed by an earthquake or having everyone crying their eyes and mourning because God had punished them? Which would be worse? God said both of them will happen. Which is worse, having God run to get you because he'd set his eyes on you to judge you And there was nowhere you could go that would escape. You could go to the highest mountain, you wouldn't be safe. You could go to the lowest point in the sea, even if you could breathe down there, he'd still find you. Which would be worse? Having God chase you to judge you or a famine, a famine of the word of God. Actually, God would stop 
being with you stop speaking to you, which would be worse. Amos prophesied a couple of years before a massive earthquake fell on northern Israel. And then only a couple of decades before the whole Assyrian superpower came in and destroyed the northern Israelite nations, never to be put back together again. It happened, which would be worse? Now, that is why Israel, we've heard why Israel got judged. Both were bad, both, which was worse, both were bad. Is there a way out? In the detail of what God told would happen to Israel in the book of Amos, yes, God did share some details which pointed to a bigger plan, a way out. A time when people would mourn in darkness because God's judgment had fallen. A time when an earthquake would strike. A time when there would be a famine of the word of God because the one who was the word of God would leave us. A time when God would judge sin and it happened at the cross. Christ crucified actually is the way out. What does this mean for us? It means for us this one thing, first of all. We have to run to the cross. We have to run to the cross. Each of us has to run to the cross. But then we ask, what comes next? What comes after he has taken the judgment? What comes? We're going to find out, but I think first of all, we're going to have a prayer of confession. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Let's confess our sins together in the words on the screen. Merciful God, our maker and our judge, we have sinned against you in thought, word and deed and in what we have failed to do. We have not loved you with our whole heart or had you in the centre of our lives. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. We have been blind to the spiritual battle around us. We repent and are sorry for all our sins. Father, forgive us. Strengthen us to love and obey you in newness of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the words of assurance for those who turn to Christ. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We're now going to hear our third Bible reading from Eva Kemp. If the technology works, she will be on the screen, so the words will not. So please get out your devices and follow along. The final reading comes from Amos 9, verses 8 to 15. 
Surely the eyes of the sovereign Lord are on the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth, yet I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord. For I will give the command, and I will shake the people of Israel among all the nations, as grain is shaken in a sieve, and not a pebble will reach the ground. All the sinners among my people will die by the sword, all those who say disaster will not overtake or meet us. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do all these things. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord, our God. So the final words of Amos in Amos chapter 9 are words of mercy and hope after the judgment. You remember why the judgment fell? Israel was like a ripe banana. Weren't they ripe for judgment? Because they had neglected God and they ended up treating others appallingly. God was patient to a point, but then said, I won't be patient forever. My patience will run out, and it did. So Amos spoke of judgment, a day of judgment that would come upon the people of Israel. Jesus, we know, he also spoke of a day of judgment, didn't he? That will come. Amos had spoken about it, it happened. Jesus had spoken about it, it will happen. And yet the way out that Amos points us to was the cross. That's where Jesus was judged instead of us. Now, for you who've accepted him, if you've run to the cross, what happens next? Well, Amos 9 said that there was mercy and that there was hope. And after the cross, therefore, God promised that he would do things. He's a man who is restoring a tent, a big tent, a tent big enough to keep many, many people in it. Of course, God says he's going to restore David's fallen tent, a tent large enough to have all of his people in it. He will repair its broken pieces. And like a builder, he also gave another metaphor, he would, I think next slide, thanks very much, maybe, yeah, he's going to rebuild and restore its ruins, okay, and then like a gardener, he would be someone who replants, whoa, oh, that's right, he says in this one, the days will come when it will be so wonderful that the, let me get it right, the Sower will overtake the reaper. That's right. Sorry, put it back. So we have on the one side this, this area that's ha that has been harvested and reaped. Another side where the crops are going to 
um, grow, but they'll be, it'll be so fertile, things will grow so much that one will overtake the other, they won't be able to keep up. A day of immense fruitfulness, okay. And it would be a day when, do we have a, a, a gardening meadow? No, we don't have that, okay. Uh, when God would be like a gardener and he would replant his people in the land. Now, the question is, when did this promise made 2,000 years, well, more than 2,000 years ago, when did it come true? Israel as a nation didn't exist. It was wiped out in 722 BC. It didn't exist until, hop in the time machine, 1948, just a bit after Joe DiMaggio struck out in the World Series baseball, right? Israel came back. Now, is that the fulfillment of the promise? Many people have thought so. How would you know? Well, one way would be to see in the New Testament, if you looked in the New Testament and you said, how did the apostles treat that promise? The promise that God made in Amos chapter nine. Okay, and then, if we were to get in our time machine and go and arrive in about AD 51, there is the Council of Jerusalem, okay, and in Acts chapter 15, and we could imagine the slide where all the apostles are gathered together and other church people, and they're all there, and they are hearing a news report. A news report of what? Well, Paul the apostle and Silas are there, and they are sharing about the good news of what God has done in their missionary journeys around the Mediterranean, and how many Gentiles, non-Jewish people have become Christians and they're saying God's accepted them. He's given them the Holy Spirit. Now, the big question, of course, for the apostles is, this is wonderful news, but should they become Jews? I mean, if now they're to be included in God's people, should they become Jews? Should they come under the weight of the law like we have been under? And they puzzled it out, they puzzled it out, they puzzled it out, and they talked a lot. And then finally... Finally, Peter said, well, look, God's already accepted them. <laughs> they're already in. We've worked out that they're accepted on the same basis that we are. Jewish people, Jews and Gentiles, we, we are all accepted by God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's it. There's no other way in. So if God's accepted them, why should we put other demands on them? And then James, who was the leader of the Jerusalem church, he stood up and he said, you know what? This is exactly what was promised, wasn't it? In Amos chapter nine, verses one and two, where God says, I will rebuild and restore David's fallen tent. Do you hear what he's saying? The way in which God fulfills that promise made in Amos, very concrete promise of God rebuilding, restoring, repairing, replanting, the way in which God fulfills that promise, that very concrete promise, according to the apostles, is when people like you and you and you listen to Jesus and realize that he has died on the cross for you. God's great love sent that you could escape his judgment and by placing your trust, by having faith in Jesus, you 
can be justified, declared righteous. You can be accepted by God through faith in Jesus. This is amazing. Well, guess what? When we believe in this, we are fulfilling that prophecy. No, God is fulfilling that prophecy in us that he made in Amos chapter nine. Uh, I said the one application we have is that we need to run to the cross, don't we? What's the application now? Well, given that God accepts people when they hear of Jesus, what's the application? All around the world, we have to do what Arthur and Tammy have been doing, or even in our own part of the world, we have to do it as well. Share Jesus. Boys and girls, uh, I wonder if you share Jesus at school. I wonder if there are people in your class who've known about Jesus because of you, because you've shared him with them. You think, how do I do that? Well, guess what? You could talk to them about him, you could say what you learned about at church, or you could invite them to join Blast and come along with you on a Friday night. Or even, in a few months' time, if we get in our time machine, God willing, we will be on the lawns of Stirling Library and we will be having carols and you could invite your whole class. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And then they will hear about Jesus. What's the application? Run to the cross, share Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, for the, the book of Amos. We realise you treat sin really seriously. You won't allow things to keep on going forever where people are taking treating you and treating other people terribly. Once, twice, you're patient, you were patient, but three times, we're out. Your patience will run out. Thank you that you've sent Jesus to die so that we don't have to face judgment on the day of judgment. Help us to have faith in Jesus and to share him as we can. Please give us chances to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.